Hello and welcome to another episode of the EcoThreads podcast, where we explore sustainability and its intersections with different social movements and issues. I'm your host, Greta Jennings, a high school senior dedicated to educating myself and others about the expansiveness of sustainability as a concept and a lifestyle. On this podcast in the past, I've spoken a lot about animal agriculture and its impacts on the environment and the animals, but in this week's episode, I wanted to focus on an area that's greatly overlooked, that being the inhumane treatment of workers in the meatpacking industry. This issue is actually one of my reasons for being vegan because I feel like many people are aware of the animal rights concerns relating to animal slaughter and exploitation in the meat industry, but not a lot of people are actually aware of how much mistreatment goes around humans and humans that are involved in meatpacking facilities and slaughterhouses, for example. Another big source of inspiration for this episode was watching John Oliver's meatpacking episode on Last Week Tonight. I don't know if you guys watch John Oliver. I don't usually, but I came across this episode on YouTube, actually, and it's really fascinating. It goes in depth about the human rights violations in meat and poultry processing facilities, but at the same time maintains a good sense of humor. Um, Not that there really is anything funny about a lot of these human rights violations, but But of course, John Oliver has to kind of throw in his own sense of humor, which makes it a lot more palatable, especially given, you know, kind of how crazy and inhumane a lot of these conditions are. So, you know, if you are interested in this topic more after listening to this episode, I definitely recommend you go check that out. To introduce meatpacking plants, you need to understand that the meat industry is highly consolidated among a few large corporations. So the majority of meat and poultry products in the United States are produced by meat conglomerates that use their immense market share power to exploit workers, increase consumer prices, underpay farmers, and generate enormous profits. So if we ask ourselves, why is it particularly concerning that all of these employees are working under just a few major corporations, it's the fact that agriculture and food-related industries are a massive source of employment in the United States. In 2018, these industries provided 22 million jobs, contributing to 11% of total U.S. employment, with meat and poultry plants specifically representing nearly 500,000 jobs. So by consolidating the industry in just a few main companies, it's very easy for these employees to be taken advantage of. During the pandemic, many of these issues were exacerbated with processors prioritizing productivity and profitability given the growing demand for meat over worker safety. While most workplaces were forced to temporarily stop all in-person work, most meatpacking plants were kept open, with 4,900 COVID-19 cases reported among 115 different meat and poultry processing facilities in just over a two-week period in April of 2020. The Trump administration worsened these conditions by passing the Defense Production Act on April 28th, which compelled facilities to remain open, thus unsustainably reviving the meat supply chain. Line speeds in these plants were increased amidst crowded conditions, with workers averaging up to 24,000 knife cuts and lifting 15 tons of meat per day. 
Additionally, a 2021 report by the U.S. House Select Subcommittee found that at least 59,000 workers at the five largest meat conglomerates, including Smithfield, Tyson, and Cargill, contracted the virus, and at least 269 died. Even more, researchers estimate that an additional 5,000 deaths and 250,000 cases could potentially be attributed to the rapid spread in meat facilities. And if you look up meatpacking workers on Google, you'll easily see why. These workers are crammed together in tight lines, often working upwards of 40 hours a week, with one Tyson poultry plant worker reporting that the company allowed her only two bathroom breaks a night. This is something that John Oliver goes into a lot of depth about on his video, so I definitely recommend you check that out if you're interested. But basically, many of these workers are not even allowed proper bathroom breaks, sometimes having to relieve themselves literally in the facilities. So if that sounds gross to you, just think about how it must feel for those workers who are basically forced into those unhealthy and unsanitary situations because of the conditions of the work that they are involved in. Employment discrimination is also a very relevant issue at play here because the majority of these meatpacking workers are Black, Indigenous, and people of color, as well as immigrants, and they're generally low income. And the reason for this is that many plants strategically locate their plants in places with little other job opportunities and then target vulnerable communities like former prisoners, refugees, and particularly immigrants with around 175,000 working in U.S. meatpacking jobs. There's also a notably stark contrast between the racial demographics of salaried workers at meat conglomerates and the hourly employees working in the meatpacking facilities. Let's look at Tyson as an example. Over 73% of their salaried workers are white versus their hourly workers with whom over 68% are black, Latino, or Asian. These racial disparities continue to perpetuate workplace discrimination in the animal agriculture industry and beyond. However, it should be noted that while the amount of people of color and immigrants working in meatpacking plants has grown substantially in recent decades, unionization rates have shrunk from 90% among mostly white workers in the 1950s to 18% in 2020, showing how changes in the racial makeup of workers have negatively impacted their ability to advocate for safer work environments and better compensation. One of the most important factors at play in this industry is the incredibly high employee turnover, often at 100% or more annually. But why is the meat industry struggling to retain workers? The most obvious answer comes down to the practically non-existent safety standards and horrific working conditions, resulting in one of the highest rates of occupational illness and injury among any industry. In a recent three-year period, a worker in the meat and poultry industry lost a body part or was sent to the hospital for inpatient treatment about every other day, with a common industry being a cut from a neighbor's knife due to crowded work conditions. Moreover, incredibly fast line speeds have led to many industries, with one former meatpacking worker, Jose Gaitan, stating, The work speeds of the plant were so fast that my hands would swell up and lock up. The Nebraska-based plant he worked at processed 1,500 to 1,800 heads of cattle a day, so that each worker processed 250 to 300 loins per day, or about one pound of frozen cow meat and bones per minute. Gaitan describes there were even falls, slips, burns, cuts, and crippling industries to co-workers, and he even recalls witnessing two different saw operators lose fingers because of the unbearable speed of the line. 
So then, it's pretty clear to see that line speed is a huge issue in these plants. With poultry workers handling 30 or more turkeys and 100 or more chickens a minute, there is no room for error or time to chit-chat with a coworker. And, once an employee is seriously injured, they're considered useless to most plants and won't be able to find work due to their inability to execute the intense physical labor at the same speeds they used to. Not only is there the risk of deadly injury, but doing the same repeated motion over and over again, as each worker generally specializes in a particular part of the line, workers are likely to develop musculoskeletal disorders. A 2015 report by the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health found that 81% of the poultry plant jobs it evaluated exceeded recommended limits for hand activity, and that 34% of employees had symptoms qualifying as carpal tunnel syndrome. However, when workers do get injured, they're often denied proper medical treatment, as found in a report by the Government Accountability Office. To avoid paying for medical treatment and exposing the horrific treatment of their workers, meat and poultry plants have found a way to game the system. When an employee has an injury or health concern, plants will report them to a company nurse because OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, doesn't require first aid to be listed in company medical logs. In fact, one Alabama poultry plant investigation found that a worker had been directed to a company nurse 94 times before being referred to a physician for treatment. And physical injuries are just the beginning, as the work is also incredibly mentally taxing. One former slaughterhouse worker wrote, I didn't suffer physical injuries, but the place affected my mind. My mind would taunt me with nightmares, replaying some of the horrors I'd witnessed. Some slaughterhouse workers have discussed feeling the need to disassociate themselves from their work in order to suppress feelings of guilt when committing violent acts. Others have expressed increased feelings of aggression while working on the killing floor. These anecdotal reports from workers are backed by scientific research, with slaughterhouse work being linked to higher levels of aggression, violent dreams, anxiety, and hostility. And while these intense symptoms of psychological distress are mainly attributed to those working in slaughterhouses rather than meatpacking plants, the fast line speeds of these plants causes workers to face a stressful and overwhelming environment. And that's not to mention the incredibly unpleasant nature of the work, leaving workers covered in blood, feces, and dirt. And another factor that is very important to consider when it comes to these high employee turnover rates is the fact that this industry relies very heavily on immigrant workers who, if undocumented, may be forced to return to their home countries. The Department of Labor officially puts the number of undocumented farm workers at 46%, but industry experts and labor advocates estimate that the number is much higher, possibly closer to 70%. Now, if you're wondering where sustainability comes into play, it's actually very interesting because we normally only associate sustainability as things that have to do with the environment, whereas here there isn't a clear connection to climate change or the environment itself when it comes to the treatment of these workers. So instead, this issue has more to do with economic sustainability and social sustainability. Social sustainability has to do with health and safety, as well as equality, diversity, and inclusion. Additionally, from a business perspective, the treatment of these workers is not economically sustainable. It's pretty clear that these billion-dollar companies don't care about the mental or physical well-being of their workers, but if they care about something, it's money and efficiency. 
Yet, excluding the cost of livestock, attracting and retaining labor accounts for nearly 60% of total operating costs for red meat processors. Plus, with more people aware of these horrible conditions, it's becoming increasingly harder for plants to secure workers, with the majority of plants estimated to be operating at only 80% capacity because of unfilled jobs. This high employee turnover due to unsafe working conditions heavily impacts productivity at the meatpacking plants and also weakens the industry's international competitiveness. Ultimately, if the meat industry wants to maintain its current production levels or even increase them to meet growing demand for meat, plants need to identify and redress these widespread retention issues. And, as we've seen in this episode, they can start doing that by treating their employees more ethically and meeting fair labor practices. Now I want to talk a little bit about some of the solutions that we've been seeing and what really can help solve this issue. Luckily, some legislation has been introduced that may offer hope for the future. A 2022 bill authored by Senator Cory Booker and Representative Ro Khanna, known as the Protecting America's Meat Packing Workers Act, addresses these issues, with legislation sponsors stating that it is clear that our food system is not safe for most farm and food chain workers, including meatpacking workers that, due to the power and influence of large multinational corporations, have been forced to risk their lives crowded into meatpacking plants that become hotbeds for COVID-19 outbreaks. And they've also stated that the act would provide much-needed protections for meatpacking workers. Key provisions of the bill include preventing the USDA from enabling increasing line speeds unless plants show that this will not adversely impact worker safety. Other provisions include strengthening health and safety standards and communication, expanding safety inspections of plants, and strengthening protections for workers who report safety concerns. That last one is especially important because as of now, many workers feel that they can't actively report concerns about their own safety for fear of being fired or being reported to the U.S. government and being deported. With immigration issues at stake, more needs to be done to protect these workers from facing threats of deportation if they report workplace mistreatment. Additionally, consumers have a tremendous influence on the animal agriculture industry, being the foundation of the demand for animal products. Therefore, if consumers are more aware of the inhumane conditions workers face, the industry will be forced to lift standards, that is, at least in theory. In reality, the main change needs to come from companies themselves, in the mindset of increasing productivity and lowering costs, as I mentioned before, or from regulatory agencies like OSHA. Given the disgusting treatment of meatpacking workers that we've been exposed to in this episode, to say that OSHA needs to increase worker protections and more actively regulate plants would be an understatement. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and learned more about the horrors faced by U.S. meatpacking workers and what changes need to be made to ensure they're protected. If you did, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family, and follow at ecothreads underscore podcast on Instagram and TikTok to keep up with any podcast-related news and get sneak peeks of upcoming episodes. If you're interested in watching John Oliver's episode on meatpacking or learning more about the issue in general, make sure to check the episode description below for more resources. The EcoThreads podcast is available on all platforms where you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you back here soon.